Check one, two. There we go. All right. Hey, tonight we're so grateful that you came to join us. So I invite you to turn. This is the passage of Scripture that we'll at least be in uh, for the next well, several weeks. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. There's a story that I want to start with. Tonight we're talking about this idea of be respectful. Be respectful. There's a famous um, physician. Actually, he's a physicist. I'm sorry, not a physician. He's a physicist. His name is Stephen Hawkins. I don't know if you've heard that name before. Um, he had a mind that was so brilliant. Um, many people compared him to Einstein and, and to others who um, kind of gave really great insight to the world of intellect as we know it. And yet, with his mind working perfectly in order, his body was ravaged by disease. Um, and it left him totally immobile. He, now, he, he couldn't, at this point, he can't even speak. And though nothing is wrong with his mind, his body is horribly paralyzed by this disease that makes each part ignore the other parts so that nothing works in sync. And his mind is thus trapped in this non-functioning body. Sadly, sometimes that becomes an accurate picture of the church of Jesus Christ. We're called the body of Christ. Jesus himself is the head of that body, and as the head, he is always perfect. Our mind is always perfect. It is always sharp. There's nothing wrong with the head, but sometimes the body doesn't function well. Oh, come on now. And the results can be crippling when it comes to presenting the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Paul writes this church in Thessalonica, and he reminds them about the importance of not only church organization, but the attitudes that we should have toward one another in the body of Christ as we are watching for the Lord's return. Um, one of the responsibilities of, of the church watching for the return of Christ is to maintain a healthy love and a healthy respect for the, its leaders and for its leaders to have a healthy and love and respect for those they lead. And in doing so, the body will function well and the gospel of Christ will be promoted. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. I want to talk about two different thought processes tonight, and we're going to um, kind of hit those and surround those with um, a couple of, of thoughts. Uh, the first one is this, that about being respectful about leaders in the church, about leaders in the church. The first uh, verse that we want to look at is 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 12. It says this, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Um, the group of leaders that are, are targeted here by Paul are pretty much in, in this, these two verses, um, 12 and then 13a, 
um, they are pretty much primarily elders and pastors. There are three areas mentioned here that he talks about in the role in the church. The first one is this, to um, those who work hard among you. Those who work hard among you. The words work hard mean exactly what they say in the Greek. It means those who labor. Those who work in many areas. They're working hard. They're giving it all they've got. They are, uh, they're putting in time. Uh, be respectful of those people. The witness of these leaders is that they make themselves available to the body of Christ in many ways. And as we work hard and we see God move, uh, we, and we acknowledge those people that are working hard among us. The next one is this, that we should acknowledge those who are over you in the Lord, who care for you in the Lord. This indicates the idea of leadership. Matter of fact, the Greek word here for uh, that word over you is the word leadership. Um, ruling by example. Um, General Eisenhower used an illustration uh, that he used to train his leaders on the proper way to lead men. He would set a string on a table and tell the men to go over and push the string forward. He would go over and, and they put the string on the table and he'd say, okay, here's what you need to do. I need you to push the string forward. Have you ever tried to push a string forward? doesn't work very well. Then he would take them and he would uh, tell the men to, instead of pushing the string forward from behind, get out in front of the string and pull it. And it worked every time. That's the way those who care for you, those who are in leadership, should be setting the example. Paul said it this way, I believe in Corinthians. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, when I became, when God called me into ministry, that was one of the verses that really rang home to me. Because if you turn around and nobody's following you, are you really leading? And the most important thing that I have, the responsibility, the mantle that's been placed upon uh, the life of leadership is this. I want you to not fall in love with me. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. I want you to fall in love with the one who should be leading all of us. But at the same time, my prayer and my desire is that you can watch my life. And that's what makes it so, oh my goodness, so uh, challenging sometimes. Because, you know, Dave, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I'm not perfect. Oh, you aren't. I know, right? I know that comes as a real shock to some of you. Um, I am not perfect. And so this idea of, man, I want to be the person that you can look at and say, you know what? I want to follow Christ. And I see Christ in, in pastor. I see Christ in, in his life. And, and I want to be, I'm attracted to the Jesus that's in him, not just him right? It's pointing people to Christ. And as we together grab a hold arm in arm and we say, come on, what does God want to do in our church? What does God want to do in our community? Let's get together and let's follow after Jesus. That's what rural leadership it starts with. I look at the disciples and what did they do? They didn't like applaud themselves and say, hey, I've got all these answers. Come follow me. Did they? They said, listen, 
I met Jesus. Let's follow him together. And that's what this is all about. In leadership, we follow Christ together. The next section is this, and it's, it says, those who admonish you. This refers to the role of the pastor or the teacher um, as they give teaching to the church. Um, there was a, a British uh, letter that was published about this, uh, the preaching ministry of pastors. And one guy said this, he says, Dear Sir, it seems ministers feel their sermons are very important and spend a great deal of time preparing them. I've been attending church quite regularly for 30 years and have probably heard 3,000 of them. To my consternation, I discovered I cannot remember a single sermon. I wonder if a minister's time might be more profitably spent on something else. About a week later, as other letters came in, they published this follow-up letter. Dear sir, I've been married for 30 years. And during that time, I have eaten 32,850 meals, mostly my wife's cooking. And suddenly, I have discovered I can't remember the menu of a single meal. And yet, I have the distinct impression that without those meals, I would have starved to death a long time ago. The word admonish in this verse indicates the type of correction or rebuke. It it probably had to do with the fact that some in the church had decided that Jesus was coming in a moment. And so what they did is they quit their jobs (laughs) and they just decided they were going to wait. They had this innate thought process that Jesus is coming tomorrow. So if he's coming tomorrow, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit my job, and I'm just going to sit down, and I'm going to wait. <laughs> well, that's not scriptural, right? Um, the, the Bible says, and I don't want to get too much into this because we're going to talk about this in future lessons, but it worked while it is still day because their night's going to come when no one can work. And so that thought process is, is what he is coming against because um, what, what was taking place is since Jesus hadn't come, um, their savings ran out. And so they were uh, sponging off other people in the church, and he is appealing to their thoughts. And he says, those who admonish you um, or correct you, they are the ones who, this, it's an important job. You should listen to what they're saying. But some of them had done it pretty harshly. Some of those elders, some of those pastors had done it very harshly. You know what I mean by that? Their preaching word was harsh. It wasn't done in love. It was done in, listen, you bonehead. What are you thinking? Right? There's no love in that. That's the NIME, by the way. Um, That's just a thought process to help you understand. They were rude as they were teaching. And so he says, listen, Respect those folks, but they need to understand to teach you in such a way that they do it in love. Okay. Admonish. Paul instructed the elders in, if you looked at second, here's a cross reference, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Um, 
that uh, maybe they've done this a little too harsh. And the fact that if uh, these are now the verses that we're studying because the hard manner was such a way that it was turning people off to their teaching, right? I, I don't know about you. I, I don't really like listening to folks that all they have to do is a hard word and it's just browbeating and it's just all oh, the time just pounding you. Do, do, you can't do this. You, I can't believe that you're just, you, you, oh, right? And it's just, I don't like that. It should be done in love. Yeah, and I don't think Paul's saying here not to preach truth. It's just how you're doing it. Um, believe me, that's a, there's a very fine line there about, you know, we, we're not here to coddle people. We're here to help them grow. And if I'm going to be more like Christ, and if I'm going to look like Jesus, I've got a lot of changing to do. I've got a lot of things about me that need to be tweaked. And so I need to hear truth. I need to hear, man, what you're doing, man, that is, that's not what God has. That's not God's plan for your life. Matter of fact, that's outright sin of what God said in his word. Can we come together? And can, we, can we meet about this? Can we pray about this? Can we talk about this? I think those are the kind of avenues. A lot of times, here's, here's what I think kind of happens. I'm just going to throw this out there. A lot of times we, and when I say we, I, I Try not to make it me, but, I, you know, I'm, like I said, Dave, I'm not perfect. But a lot of times what we'll do is we'll come out and we'll hit hard and we'll, this is wrong. But we never come and help. You know what I'm saying? We never say, come here, let's work this together. Let's work this out together. Let's follow Jesus together. Let's come in and, and let me, let's teach together. Let's, let's talk about this together, right? So, all it is is just a boom and gone instead of living life together on a journey toward God and trying to do um, things that please Him and get our lives in order to walk with Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That is true. I know that, uh, you know, nobody likes it. But at the same time, you always have to think, man, I wonder if there's any truth in that. And when you're corrected, what's the first thing it should make you do? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Proverbs 27, 6. For those of you taking notes. That's good. Awesome. What was happening in this church was that they were all, it, it wasn't healthy. What was going on, that, that's the point that, that Paul's making here. It, he sees the writing on the wall because people were, um, th- this idea that there was either, what was coming was the fact that they weren't respecting their leadership because, to be honest, their leadership wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. And because of that, he saw what was coming was going to be division and infighting. And so he decides to talk to both. And you'll see that, like I said, in 2 Thessalonians, he talks to both the thought process. In a sense here, Paul's acknowledging um, the humanality of leaders, that they always don't do everything perfect. But uh, they should be loved and respected. The failure of the church to have healthy love and respect for its leaders is sure 
to lead to spiritual suicide and ineffectiveness in ministry. That was a quote that I found from um, Dennis um, Marquois. That's the guy's name. So, some good thoughts in there. Um, I heard this illustration, and uh, kind of move on a little bit from this, but um, this illustration that the church is either a bunch of seagulls or we're a bunch of geese. Either seagulls or geese. You see, seagulls um, look beautiful. And in fact, they're often used as a symbol of independence, but they're lousy in groups. Um, seagulls so demand their own way that if placed near others, they will fight with one another. And if you were to tie a piece of string onto the foot of a seagull um, to make it stand out among the others, you would condemn it to death by the others. Because they would um, mercilessly beat and kill that bird with the string because it dares to be over them and it appears different. Crazy, huh? But the wild goose, or the wild geese on the other hand, they fly in V formations. They have the birds who can handle the stress better take the lead. And this cuts the wind resistance for the rest of the birds that follow in the V formation, uh, making the flight less difficult. We had a sermon here uh, not too long ago that talked about the idea of the encouragement it gives by honking, the holy honk that geese give one another. So the thought process is we can either live as seagulls or we can live as geese. See, you thought you were going to get nothing scriptural tonight, nothing powerful. There you go. Are you a seagull or are you a goose? (laughs) Then he goes on in verse 13, and and then we'll kind of go again for some comments here. He says, hold them in highest regard in love because of their work. That first phrase, highest regard, is rare in the Greek language. It means this. It's a strong Greek insensitive. And what that means is the officer and the office are in mind here. That it's, you're supposed to hold them in highest regard, not just because of the person, but because of the office that they possess. And then it says this, the possibility of doing this is made possible. Why? Because you do it in love. You do it in love. It's not because they're perfect, but it's because they are loved. And when you love somebody, it magnifies respect. Um, Hold them in highest regard, in love because of their work. How many of you know it's difficult to work when you're not appreciated? The point here is not to be missed. Um, Leadership is more effective when it's appreciated. Now, (laughs) um, I'm just going to be honest. This is a little awkward. This part of this is awkward for me because I feel that way. I feel very appreciated here. Don't get me wrong. Uh, This is just part of the lesson, okay? I'm, I'm not making any kind of ploys or anything of that nature. Um, I feel so blessed. God has really blessed us. Um, and we feel that. And I think all of our staff uh, feel that way. We, we just feel awesome that God's placed us here for such a time as this. Um, and we look forward to the next season. <laughs>
of what God has for us. We are so, so excited for the things that are coming and what God's going to be doing in our midst. Um, and so the thought process is, though, as, as we talked about, that idea of being respectful um, is being respectful to the, the, the leaders because someday you might be one. And uh, how much easier would it be if, for you to leave if you had the respect of others? There's a scripture text that, uh, I believe it's in Galatians, and it goes something like this. We reap what we so. Um, so if you sow in love, you will reap the benefits of that love. Any thoughts? Yeah. Oh, no. And if anybody had a right to kill Saul, it was David. But because he respected him, not necessarily as the person, but he respected the office of the king that he held. He was God's anointed. I won't touch God's anointed king. Yeah, that's a good example. Any other thoughts? Absolutely. Because the danger in that is when pride rears its head. And all of a sudden, when someone corrects you or someone says something to you, and all of a sudden you get defensive, as Don said earlier, having thin skin or what, uh, you know, and pride reels itself up in you, and you're like, oh man, I can't believe he said that about me. Right? And then what happens is all the love part of that starts to fade and you replace that love with being vengeful. And nobody grows from that. Nobody is nurtured from that. Nobody gets closer to Jesus from that. And in regard, what usually happens is the person that the pride fills up inside of them, they end up walking away and farther away from the Lord. Because it's one of those things that the devil uses to distract us and to keep us from, from being the body of Christ. Yeah. And that's the hardest step for folks. Because it takes a release of that from the first step you make from your pew. <laughs> that makes sense. The Holy Spirit... Uh, you know, that's one thing that I, I think is very healthy to pray. God, if you sense any pride in me, you have my permission to beat me over the head and make me feel terrible to get me to the place where I come to repent. Because what does God reward? Obedience and humility. That's what a servant does, right? They're obedient and they're humble. If we want to be more like Jesus, those are two attributes that should be part of our daily life. I, I love the, um, as you read throughout the New Testament and you listen to Paul and even the other writers, as, as you read through the first, um, the first verses, the first couple of verses of, of every letter, it will say something like this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. 
servant. Why am I a servant? Because I, I understand who the master is. And I understand I ain't him. And that's where we have to be to be healthy. Is understanding who the master is and that you're not him. Any other thoughts? Good. Awesome. Okay, let's talk about respect for about life and those in the church. That we uh, are going to hit verse the second part of verse thirteen um, that we stopped at earlier. It says, "Live in peace with each other." Live in peace with each other. That's the final line spoken here about leader and follower. Be at peace with one another. Live in peace with one another. Um, This is to characterize us as the body of Christ, that we are to live in unity. Um, This is a call for mutual respect. It's a call for love between leaders and followers and one another. Um, The old idea, what's good for the goose? See, we're back to the goose. Not the seagulls, right? What's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Um, Harmony should flow both ways. It takes both ways to have harmony. Um, That doesn't matter if what we, uh, if the thought process that we're thinking is different, we may not see the same about everything. But the idea here is that we can live in harmony even though you like red carpet and I like green. We can live in harmony because you want the walls brown and I want them pink with purple polka dots. It doesn't, you know, that's the thought process here. We can live in harmony even though we don't agree on things. And if it's a scriptural thing, if it's a doctrinal thing, we can do this. We can say, you know what? I tell you what, instead of us just sitting here and butting heads together, why don't you come over? We'll have some coffee or Mountain Dew or whatever you like to drink, and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll open up the Word of God together and we'll talk about it. Because I understand that it's not what I say, it's what God says. Right? So I think that there's some thought process to be given in that. I think that there's some reality that needs to happen. We can live in unity together, even though I don't agree with everything that we may do. You may like certain, you may like, Pontiacs and I like Buicks, or it's okay. Unless you like a Ford, then we're in trouble. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Get that on the website. That'd be great. I'm just kidding. Well, I can't help you that, brother. You know. Yeah, I, I, the, the thought process for me is I, I really don't care what the name brand says as long as when I turn the key and it goes and does what I want it to do. Bless God, that's awesome. I don't care what the little moniker says on the front. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's just my mind mentality. And we don't have to agree. See? All that comes right back to the Word. But we can live with respect and love for one another. Um, Our styles may be different. Even our strengths and weaknesses should not alter the love and respect that we hold for one another. Why? Because our relationship 
should be built on the same relationship as we have with Christ. I always tell people this, this will never be right until you get this right. You will always struggle with this until you have it right with the Lord. Because you see, when I have my heart right with God and I'm loving God with all my heart, there's a reason why that commandment's first. The reason that's the greatest is because if I have my heart right with God and I'm loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then the second one's like it. I can then love my neighbor as myself. Why? Because I have a greater capacity for love because I love Jesus. And it's the love of Jesus that's inside of me and that pours out to the person that's next to me. But I'm telling you, love this way without this way is based on circumstances. It's based on situations and feelings and, and all of those things that come into play. As long as you treat me well, man, you're my best friend for life. But the minute you say something, or the minute that you cr- try to correct me, like we talked about earlier, or the minute that you try to uh, you do something that I don't like, I'm going to tell you right now, I am on like Donkey Kong, and we are going to get after it. Right? And that sadly is what gets people into trouble, is because their spiritual maturity is not such that they have not, and in, in, yeah, I hear that. Their spiritual maturity with their relationship with the Lord is not developing. And so if you're not growing with your relationship with God, you're not going to grow this way. Mm. And I think that's so pr- prudent too. You, you want to show love to our community? You want to show love to the people in your family? You want to show love to the people in our area? Get this right. You get this right with God and you're growing that relationship with God, you know what's going to happen? People are going to see Jesus in you. You get this so going right with God, you know what's going to happen. That love that, that God is pouring into your life is now going to be the byproduct that you pour into other people. You can't help it. Do you understand that thought process? You can't help it. Why? Because I'm trying to kill my flesh. I'm killing the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I'm killing those thoughts inside of me. And when I put those things to death and I say, Jesus, I want more of you than I want of me, what becomes of that is the love of God then fills my heart and it fills my life and I get the opportunity then. It's not a chore. It's not a trouble. It's an opportunity and a pleasure to be able to love people. And that's the byproduct. Live in peace with one another. One more passage of Scripture. Turn over with me to Psalm 133. Psalm There's only three verses there. We're going to read them all.
There's a couple of contexts that I want to give with this as, as we finish this and, and this thought process tonight. Verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if it is, is <laughs> English is hard. It is as if is <laughs> the dew of, I'm skipping all of that. The dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Why this call for peace and unity? Because a body that isn't united together is like a misfit. A diseased body can't function like a healthy one. It's important that we understand that if a body has any hope of experiencing God's blessings, that we should be looking to live together in unity. There's some thought processes here that I've heard as as far as teaching and stuff goes. Um, Why is this so hard? Why does this happen? Because if you look at it, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, and running down on Aaron's beard. Did you catch that? Who was Aaron? Give me some context here. Who was Aaron? Okay, he was spoke for Moses. It was Moses' brother-in-law, I believe. Brother. And uh, so he spoke for Moses. So what else did Aaron do? He was the high priest, right? And so as high priest, what would happen? What, what, what took place for him to become high priest? He had to be what happened to the high priest? They were anointed, right? And when they were anointed, they took oil and they broke it and that oil then would run down their whole countenance. And it would run into their beard because they would have beards back in those days and it would run down into their beard. And I, I, I thought about what, what's the significance of that? What, well, oil has this, this thought process um, that when oil is running down, there's anointing with that. Precious oil, there's anointing with unity. When we are together as the body of Christ with one purpose and one thought, and that one thought is to worship an audience of one, to live for an audience of one, to sing praise, and to live our life every day to please the name of Jesus. When that's our unification, when that's the thing that brings us together, when that's the thing that we can not only agree on, but live out that, man, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I love my neighbors, myself. There's anointing in that. There's power in that. Yeah. True. Yeah, that is true. Um, <laughs> that is true. And, and when, you, when you look at this passage, that oil would come down through the beard and, and on the collar of his robe, and it would signify anointing that this was set apart. When we are together as the body of Christ, and God is moving, we become set apart for what he wants to do in our lives. The second part of that is this, the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. Um, 
it would be very thick dew. It would be full of moisture, enough to perhaps make Mount Zion break out in great growth. That's the thought process there. The image is one of great fruitfulness in the kingdom. Great fruitfulness. Folks who are growing in the relationship with Christ are ones that live in shalom and they live in unity with God and with one another. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in that, in that church and there is love and there is respect and there is honor between its members. We need to be living at peace with one another. God bestows His blessing on the church where there is peace in those situations. And this certainly explains the blessings of many of church bodies. The thought process for me as I read that, because I've read that before and did a little study, is, is this. <clears throat> what you read here is rare. I don't know if you understand that thought process. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to live together, for God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head. How many times was the high priest anointed in his life? Once. Once. How many times did the, if you have done some study, and, and I've, I've heard some studies and done some studies on the idea of the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion, that hardly ever happened. That was not a, a normal occurrence. So what he's saying here is this, it is great, it is good and pleasant when God's people live together, and this is what can happen. There's great fruitfulness, there's great growth, there's great anointing and power, but I'm telling you, it doesn't always happen, a lot. But when it does happen, the power of God is such on display that it moves like great fire throughout your life and the life of those in the body. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. That's what I want. I want to live at peace. This idea of being respectful, it gives us life forevermore. The church that is watching for Christ's return needs to live at peace with each other. We're all going to the same place. I was talking with a, a guy today. We, uh, today's my FCA day, Fellowship of Christian Athlete Day at School, um, which means there's all kinds of different Christian people, not Assemblies of God people. And we were talking about this, this thought process of, you know, we all serve the same Lord. I said, yes, that's true. There's no, there's no subdivisions in heaven. And if there were, we'd be right next to God. Because we start with A. Assemblies of God. So. So. But, anyway, I digress a little bit. But the thought process is that, you know, when we work together, you know, we talk about, and tonight I've kind of given the context of working together as the church being almost as if the thought process of Bible Assembly, but it's so much bigger than that. Because the church is bigger than us. Than us. 
And so we work together with the body of Christ, not in competition with one another, not trying to, oh, well, they've got so many people, right? Not like that. Last time I checked, do you know how the biggest church in town, who has the biggest church in town? The devil does. I'd rather take his people. This is not about competition with those in the body of Christ. If they're preaching the word of God and they're praising Jesus as the Savior and they're preaching this word as truth, I'm telling you, God bless them. Reach people for the Lord. Take as many people to heaven as we can get. Amen? And so our thought process is, hey, how can I come along and work this together? How can we do this together? That's why I love things like FCA so much. It's because it's not just, it's about us as the body, capital B of Christ, capital C, church, working together to make an impact on a school. How do we do that? By loving God with all of our heart. By loving our neighbors ourselves. And doing our best to live in unity and harmony together. Any thoughts? I believe Jesus said it this way, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Yep. Any other thoughts tonight before we close? And Father, I pray, as we have studied and learned tonight, let it be done in us. Let us kill our pride. Let us die to ourselves so that we in turn may not only live for, for the lives of those around us, but we can live for you in great capacity. Because the understanding is the more I have of you, the more of you that's in me. And God, the more of you that's in me, then the more of you that's going to go through me to touch the lives of other people. And so God, tonight I pray, help us to live in unity. Help us to live in anointing. Help us to live in power. Help us to live in fruitfulness. And God, I pray that you would move in our lives in such a way that the power of the Holy Spirit is evident, that there is such a move of God. We are so excited about this next season of, of what you have for us. And, and God, I am so, so wanting to see a move of God happen in our, in our community. I, I pray, God, that you would just touch the lives of people through us. And may the church, um, God, just be willing to follow your lead. God, that we would lead, and as you lead, may we be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. I pray, God, that you would move in us and use us, God, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. God bless you.